It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Thank you for joining us. You know, I guess if you've been doing something long enough, you either run out of friends to ask to come on your podcast. That's one option. The other option is that you have had people on your podcast, but you found them to be really interesting. So you want to have them back again. Um, And it would be the latter in this case. Um, I just, I think this fella is a very thoughtful guy. He's a congressman from Texas. Uh, he was a Navy SEAL, but if you know anything about Navy SEALs, they really don't like talking about that. And I'm not even sure that's the way they refer to themselves. I think it's, it's buds training or something like that. But regardless, um, one of the hardest things in the world to, to pull off. And it fascinates most of us, especially those of us that can't imagine going through it. But I would also say he's something, I don't want to say of a poet, because I don't know if he's a poet, but he's a philosopher of sorts at least to me or how about we just settle on a thinker he's a thinker now whether you agree with him or not to me is completely beside the point at least he's put a lot of thought into what he believes and he remains open to evidence that might run contrary to what he currently believes which makes him something of a unicorn in politics so with that how about we welcome the newly re-elected congressman from the great state of texas Dan Crenshaw. How are you, Congressman? Doing well, Trey. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind intro. Well, I think most of it was true. I mean, I don't I don't know that you're a poet, but but you're a deep thinker, especially in your line of work. Yeah, I don't know about poet either. Uh, poetry. No, I like to write um, all kinds of writing, but and I don't do it enough, but I would never call myself a poet. All that's, right. Well, well, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you an expert, particularly on what I'm about to ask you about. And you can take as long or as short. I mean, the answer to this question could run years. Um, how do you process uh, midterm election night? What What are the yeah. takeaways? It, it could definitely run for years. I don't know that it's all that complicated. Um, you know, voters like we, we as politicians, we often deal with with voters that eat, sleep and breathe politics. Right. They, they're they're active. They're they're coming to events. You, you see a lot of the same faces as even as you tour the district. Um, I think a lot of members of Congress have that experience. But then there's like a lot of other people um, who who do not eat, sleep and breathe politics. Right. They, they, they get some sound bites. They're 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 somewhat they, they might be well informed. They might not be um, in, in either way. They're, they're not really going to events. They're, they're not following me on social media. They're not following you on social media. They're not. Their, their preferred podcast is not a political podcast. It's like, you know, at, at best, you know, maybe it's Joe Rogan. Maybe it's something like that. Um, this is just normal people. And so, and I do think that that generally speaking, um, people vote, yes, on issues. And there's some people that have like single issues that they, that they will always vote for and always care about. Um, but that's not very many people in the grand scheme of things. And 
And there's, you know, and, and there's the, your diet in the world, Democrats or Republicans, which I sort of just talked about. And there's a lot of other people that are kind of voting on brand, right? Voting on, look, I mean, I don't like what the Democrats are doing, but those guys, but those guys on the Republican side, they just, I don't really like them either. And, um, and we had some branding problems. And that's really the only way to, and I think a lot of the data and a lot of the races um, exemplify that. Uh, you know, you can see the difference in very boring, normal Republican candidates and how they fared. And say Arizona is a great example where the treasurer won. All right. The treasurer was a known quantity. I don't even know his name or her name. It's, but it's a known quantity to Arizona voters. But everybody else in Arizona statewide um, on the Republican ticket lost. And they were of a very specific type of brand. Right. That's sort of in your face. Find conflict even where there is none. You know, I'm here to kick ass and take names and chew bubble gum, but I'm all out of gum, right? It's just like, it's just, just constant, like constant sort of meaningless in your face conflict, which is, which is what we see from like, from this kind of new sort of populist wing. And, and, you know, it's not exactly clear what they stand for. It's not exactly clear what the, if they disagree with me personally on any policy issues, I'm not, I'm not sure we do. Um, There's disagreement on foreign policy, but that's about it. Um, it, it's sort of it's sort of division for the sake of division. And it, it asks too much of voters. It, it asks too much. Um, you know, Georgia is another uh, example. I mean, there's, there's various seats that we lost that were easily winnable. Uh, North Carolina, New Hampshire, our, our nominee were two 25 year olds. And it, that just doesn't work for a general election. People people tend to think that a 25 year old is probably not well qualified to make decisions on their behalf at a, a complex decisions on their behalf at the federal level. Um, we, we saw losses in, in, you know, Republican seats where, where uh, our, our party infrastructure kicked out, um, you know, uh, Republicans that voted for impeachment. Now, look, I, I disagree with their vote for impeachment. I don't think it, I don't think it was, it reached the level, but they could win and and help us push forward our agenda because they're they're still Republicans. They they still vote. They're not they're not even squishy Republicans for the most part. Um, but then they're the people who defeated them lost the general elections. So, you know, you got to be likable um, to 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 normal people in a general election. And uh, was this the Buckley? The Buckley rule is you know elect in your primary the most conservative person who can win. Not just the most the most flamethrower, the loudest, and and we we sort of started to to add a lot of value to this kind of like like who can go in the ring and rile up the crowd like it's WWF, you know that that's that seems to be more and more in the last couple of years, especially the last couple of years, what our primary voters have looked for, and there's a vast difference in what I saw in primaries in my own primary in 2018, and then what I saw in 2020, and then what I saw in 2022. And so maybe this is a wake up call that we need to go back to the, the kind of the 2018 Republicans that one. My, my class is fairly, you know, it's run of the mill Republican. Um, a lot of serious people, I think, came in to my class. Um, you know, not, you don't have to be a superstar to be a serious person and to do good for the American people. And there's there's this desire and um, incentive structure to, to to be that WWF, you know, hype up master in the in the middle of the ring and um voters really rejected that i think 
All right. You put your finger on a couple of things. I, I, I have to follow up on one. I want you to imagine that you are in a room in Texas full of Republican primary voters, full of folks who follow politics on a regular basis. They're, uh, I mean, it's not like seasonal. It's not like college football. It's year round. It strikes me, Dan, that the easiest thing in the world is to stand in front of that crowd and validate or ratify what they already believe. It, it just requires no talent at all. Now I want you to imagine that you are in front of a group of undecided voters in Texas or heaven forbid people who currently disagree with you. Mm -hmm. It requires so much more talent to persuade than it does to ratify. Mm -hmm. I just wonder how many cycles we have to relearn that lesson. It just takes, I mean, look, Ric Flair too, is the greatest athlete of my generation. A lot of people disagree with that, but <laughs> I love Ric Flair. I go back and watch his clips all the time. It is so entertaining, Yeah, but I don't know how persuasive it is. No. I mean, so when did when did being persuasive or being like a like an effective advocate when did that become a liability uh in 2020 <laughs> like like i said the, the the i mean i could give you an exact answer because i saw these changes in in the primary uh just just the the atmosphere the atmosphere was just so different i i had a nine way primary for what was basically a safe republican seat and nobody was running to the right of anybody. It was just totally different. I, I, I can't explain that to you. But 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 my my experience in 2020, I was unopposed. But, but this this election in particular, there was an incentive structure for 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 that type of candidate. And most of the time they lost. But a lot of times they won. Obviously, they lost badly against me. I mean, it was just it was. But it's like this pure con artist candidate. Um, that every other word is rhino, and, and they're they're definitely more concerned with going after their own side uh, than they are the Democrats. Um, because look, there is there is an unfortunate cultural um, uh, reality within the conservative movement that is that is that is highly skeptical of their own team, like almost equally as so as as the Democrats. I mean, we're the ones who make up words like rhino and uniparty and and this, you know they're constantly obsessing over the establishment. Uh, in a way, the Democrats just don't do. Um, they've started to. I mean, the rise of AOC has started that trend, but we've been doing it for a long time. And it, it, it's gotten really bad recently. Um, I, I do think this election might be a wake up call um, that 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 hopefully means that we've sort of reached the zenith of that nonsense. But persuade, you know, being persuasive shouldn't be a liability. I mean, it just it just shouldn't. And I'm not so sure it is. But but voters are looking for. But being but being boring and thoughtful is a liability. All right. And so what I've always tried to do is be the guy who's who, who's not boring. I do the entertainment stuff, but I also make it very clear to you that I'm entertaining you to bring you to a better place. And I'm, I'm also making sure that my my entertainment is not alienating people who might disagree with us. Right. And that's a that's a hard thing. It's a fine line. And sometimes I overstep that line. Right. Sometimes like, you know. And, you know, I get I take that feedback seriously. But 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 my goal is to be a conservative Republican that more moderate people can vote for and, and tell their friends that they support. Right. If they if there's a group of liberal people talking about Republicans asking, OK, who would you support? And my name comes up. That means I'm winning because I haven't given in on principle. You know, so so what is it then? 
it's it's just a general demeanor. It's a general sense that 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 I'm serious about what I'm saying. You might disagree with me, but at least I'm coming at my opinion in good faith, and I'm and I'm attributing good faith to your opinions too. And also, if I disagree with you, I'm going to direct. I'm going to confront my disagreement with you directly. I'm not going to I'm not going to sidestep it. I'm not going to play tennis with you in a different court, which is often what happens in political debates. We're going we're gonna to really talk about the issue and kind of, kind of see that we're maybe both trying to accomplish the same thing, but in different ways. And I think moderate liberals appreciate that and can deal with that. You go further left than that, they're, they're, they're partisans. They, they can't pot, you know, they're never going to support you. But, but there's a lot of persuadables just in that, in that center left, very moderate liberal camp that, that I, I think is quite easy for, for Republicans to, to obtain if we, if we just desire to. We're going to take a quick break. More of my interview with Congressman Dan Crenshaw next. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Uh, I guess it was a little less than two weeks ago. I went to Cambridge University for a debate, and I don't know whether you have been to Oxford or Cambridge, but uh, there are debating societies. And Mm -hmm. when I walked in, um, it's 500 students. Um, that, uh, I, my guess is every single one of them was to left, was to the left of me politically. I, 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 I've never been in a lion's den. I would have opted for the lion's den. If you'd given me a choice that night, as opposed to standing in front of 500 really young progressive folks and trying to persuade, I wish every Republican candidate would have to do that at some point, because you have to win the night with something other than your rhetoric, whether it's uh, the way you connect with them or whether it's it's self-deprecatory humor. I mean, you have to do more than just tell people what they already believe. It's just there is nothing easier in the world than to find out what a group believes and repeat it back to them. There's nothing mm-hmm. easier than that. All right. I want to switch gears and, uh, and talk about something even more important, although I think the lessons are the same. All right. Honor. You served in the military. You served in a group that 99% of us can't even understand what it takes to get in the group. So like 99.9 will never be in the group. Honor versus fame. So fame 
is the ultimate political virtue right now. But there's a difference to me, Dan, between honor and fame. So I want to ask someone who served with honor, can you explain or give us an idea of the sense of honor that soldiers may feel versus the fame that you see pursued in the political theater? Yeah, well, no, they're definitely not the same. Um, I mean, completely different categories entirely. They're you can use fame for good, right? You, you, you can you can engage in fame honorably, um, and like part part of being part of the culture and the part of the cultural dialogue is, I suppose, defining what honor is. Um, the military works has worked very hard over the course of centuries to define what honor is. I mean, we actually we we actually imbue it in a lot of our, our writing and our kind of our, our slogans. We, we teach it in our, in our courses and you know, we use words like courage and integrity and honesty, um, you know, work ethic. I mean, I think, and I think this is generally agreed upon uh, elements of honor in, in Western society. And so I think we can, you know, loyalty would be another really, really big one. Um you know, to the extent that you pursue fame, I, I guess the question is whether it's honorable or not. And is, is it fame for the, the, for, the, for the pursuit of fame itself in and of itself? And that's the only reason. Is it just to get more Instagram followers? And, uh, and I do believe that might be the case with some of our some members that have come up here um, and, and certainly some people who ran um, and lost. And maybe people could, could, could pick up on that. Like they weren't doing this because they cared about something, you know, and, and you can tell, you know, and especially especially regular voters, like once they once they kind of wake up from their political slumber and they're like, all right, I'm going to pay attention to politics now because like the general election is coming up. They they can pick out the the shallow talking points so quickly. And, and, and what's funny is like the people who eat, sleep, breathe and breathe it, like don't pick it up very quickly because <laughs> they're so because they're the ones who want to hear it. They're like, you need to say these things so that I know I can trust you. Right. It's almost like a bona fides. And, um, and I, I always bring that up in, in any group I'm talking to. I'm like, stop, stop listening to people who, who kind of repeat exactly what you expect them to repeat. It's, it's a good sign that they're one, they're very shallow thinkers. And, and two, they're, they're, they're probably just willing to lie to you. You know, it's, it's, it's not clear to me at all that they've come to this place from a genuine um, uh, source. And, you know, make, make them put some of these ideas into their own words. And so, see, because that's a good indication if they've really thought through it. And general election voters can really parse through that. And I think that's why some of our candidates lost. Um, but again, you know, go back to your actual question. Um, yeah, you can you can use fame for good or you can use it for bad. And I, I think that's the connection to, to honor as, as, as I think about honor. I, I've tried to process this because it, it, it really has come up in the last you know, it, it was it was there, I guess, towards the end of when I was there. I remember folks talking about Roman candles, these things that brightly illuminate the sky for a nanosecond, but then they're they're gone. I mean, it, it it's it's not like you. So fame to me, if it is a byproduct of other virtue, I'm OK with it. If it's a byproduct of your integrity, a byproduct of your courage. But when it is a standalone trait it is it is it is not a virtue it is no more virtuous than being rich because you inherited money it it's i don't know it 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 seems to be and i'm not a psychologist you may be i'm not but 
but why people pursue it and why people gravitate towards it. Um, mm, that's a I deeper think, question. Yeah. It's, 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 it, I mean, I, I think people, you know, we're social animals and, and for the most part, there's, there's a, there's a, uh, a positive, I don't know, a, like a, a positive emotion is in, incurred when, when people know who you are and, and have a, have a positive view of you. And then, then there's a lot of sociopaths that don't actually care what kind of fame it is. Like even negative, you know, it's like the, 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 even, even bad news is good news or, or, or whatever. Bad publicity is good publicity. Like I've never believed that. <laughs> that's, I think that's a crazy thing to believe that, that anybody who tells you that is, is it's proof positive that they're a sociopath and they're truly in it just to be famous. And then, and then, and then kind of navigate how they can leverage that fame to, for some kind of personal benefit. Um, and, and you see too much of that. And I, I, I think regular people just have trouble discerning between what's, what's honorable and what isn't. Um, and, and not only that, it almost seems like at our, at our base level, we're starting to get it wrong a lot, you know? Um, and it's, it's tough to have this conversation because I won't name names um, to give examples, but because yeah, I just don't want to, I don't want to get into any fights over, over. Any I don't of name names either. I mean, people can figure it out for themselves. I'm, I'm not, I don't name names either. But, but it, it, you know, it should be clear how, how easy it is these days to sort of go down the laundry list of, of red meat slogans or insults and get fame that way. Uh, as opposed to getting fame through having done something wildly productive, um, winning in, in some, in some unexpected way. Uh, I will name one name because I use this example quite a bit. Uh, you know, Kevin Brady, you know, you know, Kevin Brady, of course, and he was the chairman of ways and means in Trump's first two years when he passed the tax cuts and jobs act. And, Kevin isn't known as this like fire breathing, uh, you know, killer out there. He's not exactly the WWF fighter in the ring, and he, he certainly never aspired to be. Uh, and so, you, you know, your typical base Republican, you know, doesn't think of him that way, um, if they think of him at all. And yet, this is the guy who actually accomplished the tax cuts. This is the guy who actually wrote it all. Um, and so, and so, is that a warrior? Because it seems to me like if, if if the point is winning anyway, if the point is winning, then maybe that's the kind of person we should emulate because and so what did he do to get there i mean he he spent years and years and years just moving up you know being the establishment if that's a derogatory word and just moving up doing what he's supposed to do got to raise money here you got to help people here you got to get on this committee that you should be on and then you gotta you gotta do the the typical things you got to do to rise up in that committee you got to play the game you play the game long enough and you win and there's a lot of people who who are, are so averse to the game. They're so mad that there's a game and then they get even madder that the game won't play with them. Right. And that's, that's kind of what we're seeing in leadership elections right now. Um, it, it's like, it's like, I, I'm not coming in there. I'm not coming. I'm not going to do it. Okay, fine. Then we're not going to talk to you. Why won't you talk to me? <laughs> it's like, what the hell are you guys? Like, it's, it's just it's so absurd. Um, and you know, it's so, so Kevin's like a great example of, of what it takes to actually win. And uh, it, it takes hard work. And, and look, if, if you're super famous and influential, it, that can also be helpful. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, but I want voters to always be looking for, for the kind of people who are using it for good and, uh, and not just using it for attention. I'm like, because I always ask people, are, are they fighting for you or are they fighting for themselves? Are they fighting for your attention? Have they, have they said what they're going to do with your attention? 
Now, because now, it's easy to say, oh, it, sh- it should be like this, right? It should, and, and you can play into people's ignorance of how civic institutions work, how Congress works, how politics really works. And a lot, because a lot of people don't know. And so they get frustrated. Like, why, why can't you guys just do this? Well, I mean, and then the, the explanation is quite boring usually. And there's, there's probably a lot of reasons. And it has to do with majorities. It has to do with process. And it has to do with whatever the issue is. It has to do with a number of things. And, you know, people don't understand that. But what's, what's really maddening is the people, the members here do understand that. And there's plenty who are willing to just affirm those, right. those false narratives and say, you know what, we should be doing that, but it's just, it's just our leadership doesn't want to. Right. Right. And you're like, that's, damn, that's just not true. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just a completely false statement. Um, I want you to hold that thought about leadership because, you know, the great thing about leadership in the GOP conference is you can run for whatever you want to run for and you can nominate someone for a speaker who's not even a member of the house. But I want to hold that thought because I want to, you mentioned, you mentioned Kevin, one of the more affable guys that would do anything in the world to help other members too. Um, but he is not, he's not a television personality. He, he looks more like a CPA than, than anything else. Um, I'm going to throw another, I talked to Seth Moulton a couple of days ago. Uh, Seth, uh, like you, uh, wore the uniform, Chris Stewart, like you wore the uniform. They passed a bill that relates to mental health and veterans. And I, I, I wonder how many people even have any clue that that was done any clue that it was done. I don't think either one of them would be in like the top 50 most well-known members on, and one's a Democrat, one's a Republican. I just, I don't think for some reason, Dan results, legislative results, and they actually impact people's lives is just not high up the list of priorities. No, it doesn't seem to be. Now, I do think that it does help them in a general election. I mean, I, look, I, 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 and I, I still want to believe that that's true. Uh, I have a feeling that that when you make accomplishments like that and you're in a tough general election, you'll send out flyers with those kind of legislative accomplishments. Because I, I think there's I do think there's still a lot of voters that want to see that. And so I would say that's the good news. Um, but it certainly doesn't get highlighted, like, you know, which is kind of your point. Right. It's not like this. And there's a ton of bipartisan wins just like that um, on a, on a daily basis. They don't they don't change the world in any meaningful way. You know they don't they don't. And, and to be fair, they don't deal with like the really hot button issues and our severe disagreements on the economy or healthcare um, and the border. Um, you know, and these are these are severe disagreements um, on on how we should run an economy, how we should tax the people, what what kind of spending there should be. Um, there's severe disagreements on, obviously, on, on, on how we should run a southern border, uh, severe disagreements on how we should run a healthcare system. And, and you look, those those problems aren't getting well, but that's, even that's not totally true. There's there's actually a lot of bipartisan healthcare legislation, too, that gets through. It doesn't change the whole system, but it maybe fixes a couple of things around the edges. And that's and, you know, people should appreciate that. And and because look, there's 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 some voters that want you to to never even talk to Democrats like it. They get mad at you for even doing that. Um, there's probably some who were mad at me because I, I was in Egypt last week going to COP27. Um, why would you go to this globalist retreat and the, the WEF is at? And, you know, they're just talking about ruling our lives because of climate change. It's fake and all that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> the answer is you, you, you bet your ass you want somebody like me at that thing. 
you bet your ass you want some Republicans who have a, a more rational sense of environmentalism, who care about the environment, who want to show that you also care about the environment, because you know what? I bet you do. Um, but we also don't want to destroy our economy. And, and also, yeah, and, and to be fair, yeah, I think they do a lot of them want to take over our lives. So you better want me there as a different voice to, to counter those narratives. You know, you, you, we, have to, we have to engage. We have to have a seat at the table. Um, we're, all, we're, all, we're all just going to lose. Um, and then there's so there's that type. And then there's another type that's like they only want to hear about your bipartisan um, uh, accomplishments and, and good on them. And and they should know, too, that there's there's a lot more than they probably realize. Uh, and, and the, you know, they're again, they're not solving the world's problems all at once, but but they still happen quite a bit. And that, that should give people some some hope. Well, you know. Dan, I guess if I were at that town hall with you and someone were to ask you that question, I guess my follow-up would be, did you ever do like recon missions or surveillance when you were in the military? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, a few of these would certainly be considered reconnaissance. They're mostly direct action, but, you know, but yeah. Are there soldiers that do recon or there soldiers that go out and just kind of look at what the other side is doing? Oh, sure. Oh, it's a, it's a big part of our mission set. Absolutely. Well, why do we laud that in some facets of life, but yet we would criticize you for trying to go figure out what, I don't want to say the other side, but what other people are thinking. Why, why, why is that? Why is that a plus just, in one facet of life, but not in another? There's just so little trust in the conservative culture right now. Um, we're constantly looking for bad guys in our own midst, constantly looking for traitors. It, it's, it's um, it, it's got to stop. I mean, it's and people will be like, well, how can you blame us, Dan? I mean, we've been betrayed so many times. And I'm like, can you can you tell me exactly what you mean by that? Well, McCain. All right. McCain. I mean, okay, he voted on the health care the way you don't want. Um, what, what else? I mean, and, and usually usually it's usually it's a it's an idea. Maybe it's the infrastructure bill. Maybe it's a bill here or there. And, you know, it depends on the it depends on the issue or the example that they that they talk about. But I'm always like, you know, it's that that was definitely more complicated than you probably think. And also, you know, keep in mind, too, that a, that when a representative, whether it's a senator or a, or a congressman runs they they still represent their district. Right. <laughs> and like it's um, and, you know, they, they they might not always be with, with your preferences. Um, it, it is how politics works. I'm not sure that that constitutes this betrayal um that that you speak of um well hold but we're just sort of fine-tuned to like look for that hold that thought for a second everyone remembers when senator mccain did the thumbs down on the floor of the senate everyone remembers that you're younger and have a better memory than i but i think i'm pretty sure that it was House Republicans who deep six the first effort at health care reform, which was supported by then President Trump. It wasn't yeah. McCain. It was House Republicans who said, we're not going to support it. And and President Trump was very, very upset with them because that oh, yeah. was his effort at health care reform. But yet somehow the narrative is that that was an honorable thing to do. They, them killing it was honorable. John right. McCain killing it was not honorable. And on the merits, it, it may be that one bill was a lot better than the other on the merits. I just, it's the tactics and how you engage in duplicity as you view the tactics that I find befuddling. 
Is my yeah. chronology right? Wasn't it killed by House Republicans the first time? Yeah, well, you were there. I wasn't, but you are completely right. Um, these are the stories I've heard, uh, and I wasn't there, but that's exactly how it happened. Um, McCain was on board, and after, um, yeah, and basically, then he wasn't, you know, and I, I don't know the details of how exactly he, he, he turned on that particular bill. But Trump, you're right about another thing, too, is Trump was really mad about that. And and um, he was mad at Mark Meadows in particular. And uh, <laughs> then Mark became so how how Mark went from that to his chief of staff is, is you know, maybe that's going to be written in a book in a tell all book sometime. But I, I don't know the story uh, there either. But I know how, how furious Trump was. And that, that would have passed. That would have passed the Senate. Trump would have signed it. Uh, as as I understand the dynamics, the political dynam- dynamics of that. And so anyway, the, you know, the point of this isn't healthcare history, but but the point is, is that every story you hear is more complicated than you think. That, that's the that's the point um, on every single issue, on every single vote. It is more complicated than you, you think. And you have probably less reason to be angry than than you are. <laughs> like that's that would be my message to people as, as a general rule in politics, I, you know, don't look for a reason to be furious about something. There's a really good chance that you're missing a lot of context, that you've been told a bunch of quarter truths that, that people are claiming equally full truth when they don't. Um, you know, and so always, always take a step back, count to 10, maybe still be mad. Maybe you should be, but, but it shouldn't be your first reaction. Your first reaction should be, I'm not sure what I'm being told here. I mean, there's so many examples like this. I, I hate to encourage people to be, skeptical and cynical I, I i do i mean i i i my wife worries about me all the time dan she says you have become so cynical i think you ought to always question what you're being told i just i cross-examine it more of my conversation with congressman dan crenshaw is coming up here i want two more things i want to ask you about then you got to go back to work and i got to go to the golf course because you're still working and i'm quasi-retired Y'all went into a room, and unless everything has changed, anyone who wants to be the Speaker of the House can be nominated. You can nominate someone who doesn't currently serve in the House of Representatives and never will. And y'all did that, and it looked like 180-something to 30 was the vote. I'm not asking you to confirm that, but that that's what was in the media. But y'all, y'all voted, right, on who yeah. your nominee would be. Right. And even without the the vote total, um, it seems to be, if what's been reported is even close to correct, about an 85, 86% win for Leader McCarthy. Right. All right. So what I used to be told all the time is people wanted closed primaries for Republicans. They don't want Democrats voting in Republican primaries. We have a nominee, maybe your nominee, maybe your candidate didn't win, but we have a nominee. That's what I used to be told. We have a nominee. Okay. Maybe you supported Marco or Cruz or someone else, but Trump is the nominee and you have to support the nominee. Why is that not true when it comes to the speaker candidate for the House Republican Conference? Why does that close primary, the other side won? Why is that out the window? I mean, it shouldn't be. And I'm not so sure that it is out the window. Um, I think there's going to be a sort of uh, a staring contest that occurs between now and the actual speaker's vote on January 3rd. And I wonder, 
you know, because and, and the question is going to be the 31 Republicans that voted against McCarthy. And, and, the, and the question is simply going to be, OK, well, what, what's your alternative? You're going to vote for McCarthy. Right. This was a pointless endeavor. Right. You, you made your statement. We're not exactly sure what the statement was. Nobody's st- still nobody knows what the point was. I mean, I, and I, I mean that very sincerely, like I really don't know what the point was. Um, you don't have leverage. Um, you would you would look like a fool if you voted for a Democrat. So like, what, what's your point exactly? And, um, and 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 so I think they'll blink. I really do, I, because I don't because I don't see another option. Um, you know, the, the math, the math cannot be changed on this. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 I, I wish I could, I, I can't explain those antics. I don't get them. <laughs> like I really, and I'm, I'm not sure what is gained by it. Uh, it's just, but, but I do think in the end that McCarthy will be speaker. I don't, you know, and, and I think it'll just, it'll just be at that, um, But for people that have been duped, for people that have been duped, um, because I lived through it, I lived through it when Kevin, you know, withdrew the last time, you know, be careful what you wish for, uh, because you might get it. Kevin withdrew, they're scurrying around trying to find someone to be the speaker, and they have to cajole a guy named Paul Ryan who had no interest in being the speaker. And then they wound up not liking Paul. So it can like anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. So. You're more optimistic than I am. I, I think 10 to 12 on the floor of the House in January, when all the cameras are on you, are going to vote for their favorite blogger or television talk show host or uh, or or deceit, you know, Edmund Burke or, you know, their favorite dead conservative. They're going to do that. And so Kevin doesn't get to 218 or doesn't get a majority on the floor. And then you go back in the room again and 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 you go through the process all over again. Someone's not going to go from 30 votes to 218. So I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think you're going to go from losing 180 to 30 to being the speaker, which means they got to come up with another name. Yeah. And, and there's, there's nobody's going to do that. Um, I, you know, I, I think that, I think their goal was to extract some kind of concessions. They're, they're obsessed with a, a, a few certain rule changes. Um, but those still have to be voted upon today, in fact. And uh, all that's happened is a lot of bad will has been incurred with everybody else. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it might be a little different than before, but I've never gone through this before, so I don't know. Well, I can tell you this every now and again, you know how when you're in trouble, you get one phone call. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uncanny how often John Ratcliffe uses that one phone call to call me uh, whenever he's in uh, the custody of law enforcement. So I talked to him quite often. It was the single worst vote in the eyes of his constituents that he ever cast was the first vote he cast as a brand new freshman. And he's sitting there thinking, but, but we, we had a vote, we had a primary, this is our nominee. And for some reason, the, the analogy just doesn't hold. They wanted him to vote for someone else on the, on the floor of the house. So, it, uh, look, I, I, I had more people lined up wanting to come talk to me about why I supported the Republican nominee in a floor fight with Nancy Pelosi. I, it, something's going to happen with, with conservative media. They're going to tell folks, if only you do this, there'll be a magical outcome. I, I hope I'm wrong, Dan, but I want to end on an even less happy note. And you're probably not going to want to talk about this, but when I saw it, 
this is the question went th- went through my mind. All right, I I I remember sitting on the floor with a guy named Ryan Zinke, who's coming back to the house from Montana. Now I had a great relationship with Ryan, but he assured me that he could kill me with a pencil if he wanted to. I don't know how that came up, but it's kind of a sobering way to start the day talking to a colleague who said he could kill me with a pencil if he wanted to. Uh, He, like you, was a Navy SEAL. I'm watching a video of someone following you around, someone who will remain nameless in part because I don't know their name, trying to bait you, trying to get under your skin, saying things that in a normal circumstance would have resulted in a physical response. Are you never tempted to just beat the hell out of people to do that to you? Are, are, are you, I mean, I'm sitting there watching it thinking, Dan, do something. We'll post the bond. We'll come up with the money. We'll get you a legal defense fund. Do not let someone talk to you like that. And yet your uh, reaction yeah. never changed. No, it's tempting. I mean, it's, it's a result of the, you know, the emasculation of men. Um, and, and, you know, we, we always say that how that's happened on the left. I mean, just take a look at the Instagram influencers on the right. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of fat kids that live in their mom's basement and are so desperate for, for attention, um, that they'll, that they'll accost, uh, famous people on the street, uh, like, like the real original bro, you know, is, would, would be my, my reaction to that. Um, there's, there's such clowns that it's, that it's hard to justify the, um, hitting of them. Also, they're filming the whole thing, which is a frustrating part, but but um, there's probably some legal justification for it. And uh, I would warn anybody else that wants to do it. Uh, I don't know who you are. I don't know what your intentions are. And I am legally justified to, to take action quickly before you do. Um, and so, you know, it's that, that would probably be my, my response. Dan Crenshaw, we'll catch up again later. Thank you, uh, as always. And uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep following your career. Thank you for giving us some time today. Hey, thanks, Trey. Always good to talk to you. All right. Take care of yourself. Listen ad free with a Fox News podcast plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.